you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. All right, Mark Cecil here. We're in a crowded hotel lobby about to leave London and a note from our sponsors just lost to the guy who auto-drafted, screaming at the television again because someone who can't hear you dropped an open pass. Just dropped your RB1 for a kicker, Erica? I did. Of course you did. Thought your fantasy draft was a good first date idea? Please. You were probably just blindsided by hunger. Luckily, Snickers is here to pick up your sorry butt off the turf. Get back on your game with NFL Hunger Bars from Snickers. All right, people, today's episode is supported by Kronos. No one compliments you when their paycheck is correct, obviously, but make one mistake and you risk alienating your entire workforce. Kronos makes sure that your payroll is done right the first time, from punch to paycheck, shadowy league figures, embedded checklists, simplified. It does. this This is a patch effort. Simplified workflows, a single source of truth, HR, payroll, talent, and timekeeping in one unified system, all the sexy, exciting stuff you care about, all with a proven, implemented approach and simplified, transparent pricing. Learn more at Kronos.com. Payroll, P-A-Y-R-O-L. It says to spell that out, Kronos Workforce Innovation. That works. The Around the NFL podcast now drives on the left-hand side of the road. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a complex filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wesley, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. What complex? Sky Sports Megacorp. A corp that even dwarfs our corp. If there was a corp off, I think <laughs> Sky and Rupert take down Rog in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know if this place is filled with heroes. It's probably seven or eight floors, thousands of square feet, and there's only about eight people that are still up and working at it. If anybody, we're, re- we're here. If anyone remembers the pl- general plot details of Gremlins Two, the new batch, <laughs> that's kind of uh, what this place makes me feel like. I'm in the middle of. A 1989 uh, forgotten sequel. Yeah, I mean, to a T, we've just come off of doing roughly 13 or 14 straight hours of live television. And uh, 
Listen, fresh as a daisy. And that's because we have been pounding Red Bull, Wes and I, for the last <laughs> seven hours. Hey, which I'm I've never drank too. before till tonight. Uh, yeah, we, we had never. This is a week in London that's been amazing, filled with so many uh, new experiences. And, and the week is coming to a close. We're on, we're on an airplane uh, in like 12 hours. And uh, doing. We went on at six. Carry three. We did, I believe, seven hours of live television uh, s- uh and it was really great basically the entire dolphins game we <laughs> yes <were down> <laughs> basically <laughs> neil reynolds and solomon wilcox and our boy rob ryan who we're gonna get rob on the show uh our show sooner rather than later because he is so funny <laughs> uh so yeah that was our sunday and it, right now it is 155 a.m local time this is super bowl late uh not quite that late but here we are wrapping things up the loose cannon She's just waiting for the show to be over. She's like, get to the games, you <laughs> We need to get to the games. Uh, but Literally, as a, uh, a shadowy league figure and Erica both write down, Dan said <laughs> at two minutes. <laughs> Greg and now said it, Greg too. said it. Uh, but, yeah, Erica's here and Todd Metcalf on the cameras and Mark Brady's here, and we are digging into week one of the NFL season for the sixth year. Uh, we begin our flagship program, the Sunday Night Show. So exciting! And yes, could we have Greg said, "Oh, listen, it's you know doing the all that Sky Sports live stuff, and we got the flight. Maybe this is the year we don't do a a, a week one show." No, Greg, never an option. They, you know they don't call us heroes for nothing. We're true legends. Yeah, we don't operate that way. It's more like Super Bowl week. Hold my beer. Am I right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Wait, I th- that feels like a phrase that you would maybe ban a week from now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, it is I, 2 in the morning. I have no idea what anything <laughs> will come out of my mouth between it's, no, it's now not, and the next hour. It's not 2 in the morning. It's grind to 30, uh, bro. Bingo. Every phrase that Mark bans becomes a way bigger part of our <laughs> lives, so please don't do it. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we're going to get into all the games uh, from Sunday. Uh, there was – okay, and there was one game Thursday, one game Wednesday, two games on Monday, week one. That means there are 12 games to talk about. Oh, I'm sharp, baby. I had a lot of Red Bull, too. <laughs> Johnny Chuckles made it to London. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> All here right, we go. so this newsroom, by the way, the four or five editors here are literally horrified by the last five minutes of audio from the show. Don't yeah. care. Let's okay. get to it. We got so much to uh, dig into. So we will start with Mark Sessler's favorite football team, the Clovelin Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try and win it with 13 seconds left to go. Here comes the field goal team, and listen to this stadium. <laughs> it's funny. Place is going nuts. Bonkers. Zane Gonzalez is ready to go. He's out on the field. This is right where Mark peed a little Gonzalez bit. Gonzalez will have Colt put it, it down. It looks like it's going to be... In between 33 and at the uh, between 43 and 44 yards, going to be a 43-yard <laughs> field goal that beat the Steelers in overtime. And Gonzalez is ready. Hewlett will snap. Snap is back. Ball down. Kick on the way. It Block. got blocked. The Steelers blocked the kick. Ufa. And it never had a prayer. Boy, it looked like they were off sides a little bit. Nine <laughs> seconds to go. Wishful thinking. And <laughs> Sorry, each buddy. team has missed a field goal in overtime. Jim Donovan and Doug Deacon with the call for WK 
RR. Zane Gonzalez's 43-yard field goal attempt with nine seconds to play in overtime. Blocked by TJ Watt, who's all over the place. A crushing ending uh, for a Cleveland Browns team that seemed primed and a 17-game losing streak. Have you heard about that? They had to settle for a 21-21 tie against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who probably aren't feeling too good about themselves tonight. Mark Sessler, we rode the roller coaster with you from Scott, the Sky Sports set today. Where are you at, buddy? You know, I really wanted to see this win because obviously the you, you come in after an 0-16 season, but the Browns are a, at their core a very strange team. And this was one of the strangest games I've witnessed from the Browns in a long time. I think a tie against the Steelers, it's not it's an odd pre- result. It's not preferable, but it this game looks so lost even 15 minutes earlier that the way that they climb back in and I think their defense, if you go back and watch this, their defense was a turnover operation, just made life tough on Big Ben from start to finish. And to climb back in the way they did, this is a, there are a lot of new parts on this team and a lot of young players, and it might take a little bit for them to gel. This could have been a lot worse. You felt good enough about your team to start trash-talking Dan and say, why don't the Jets go out and try to tie the Steelers? That was sad. Well, That made me sad for Mark. Listen, I'm in a psychologically damaged place. That's I'm pulling from it what I can. It was You were surprisingly happy with the tie, although – it took a lot of luck in terms of in, in overtime, just a few minutes before the field goal k- attempt that we just listened to. The Steelers had a 42-yarder, and, and that's the moment where usually the Browns lose and you got a little bit of luck there. I mean, the one thing is you look at this game, and it just did not play to what the Browns said they wanted to be coming into the season because you have Tyrod Taylor completing 15 of 40 passes. Josh Gordon barely got involved until the second half. I mean, the run game never really got on track. And they just could not get out of their way. Now, the weather was a major element for both teams. But Big Ben with three picks, two of those were weather-related in my book. I mean, it was just a lot of weird stuff happening for both teams. Yeah, at the end there, we were watching it as the Browns go down for the field goal. They're in great field position. And they decide to sit on the ball. As Dan said, they look tentative like it was a page out of Herm Edwards' book. And Greg was saying, I don't like this, I don't like this. And I'm thinking it reminds me of like when rookies say, the game's too fast for me. I'm out there thinking too much. The game didn't slow down for Hugh Jackson because the Browns are kind of rookies at winning. Mm. So they have to learn how to it, – it's a new experience for them. And you compare that to something like the game seemed to slow down for Bill Belichick and that Bel- Malcolm Butler playing the Super Bowl where it seemed like he was able to see things coming and react to them in real time. And Hugh's head seemed like it was spinning. Maybe that's just I mean, me. Look at, look at where the Browns are. I mean, they've lost so many games in a row that the idea that the win's right in front of them Cameron Sutton picks off that pass. Uh, the, uh, the pass rush gets the Big Ben, and they get hit with the block in the back, which takes them out of chip shot territory. They run the ball and then and then clock it, and then you do not set up for a 43-yard field goal uh, in that spot. They were a little scared of their shadow. It was such a big stage, and the, uh, we should talk about the Steelers as well because James Conner definitely filled in. He got, he got Lev Bell type touches over 30 touches in this game he went over 100 yards he was a difference maker uh but this is a bitter this is a bitter result for the Steelers one of the best performances though you'll find all day long came from TJ Watt and it revealed a massive Achilles heel for Cleveland I don't think they have a, a single offensive tackle who can play right now and that's that's going to make you think hard about mm. putting Baker Mayfield in there sooner than later I mean these were bad conditions but Watt absolutely dominated Cleveland's front five. I mean, the Steelers were the better team. They outgained them by 150 yards. James Conner had 
192 yards from scrimmage in in that game. So that's an outrageous performance by him and should, you know, that's the least of their problems. The reality is if if you're the Browns and you get six turnovers, like that's great, but you better win a game, you get six turnovers, and you win the turnover battle by five. The fact that you didn't win a game where your defense made that many plays, it's, it's pretty hard to do. Here's what Hugh had to say after the game. The guys fought disappointed for our fans, didn't want them to go home without a victory. I didn't want our players to go home without a victory. So we wasn't able to get it done, didn't finish it. But obviously a tie, you know, a tie. All right, let's move on. Garoppolo on second and ten, passes over the middle. Intercepted by Harrison Smith. He just daggered the Niners. Harrison Smith to the far side of the field, down at the 15, and the Minnesota Vikings, the Kings of the North, have not only put Jimmy Garoppolo on the first loss of his career, they start 2018-1-0. Kirk Cousins passed for two touchdowns, and the Vikings forced four turnovers. A 24-16 win over the Niners on Sunday. That's Jimmy Garoppolo's first loss in eight games as a starter and yes Harrison Smith sealed that game with 135 to play uh, recovered a fumble by Alfred Morris at the two yard line uh, Garoppolo finished 15 for 33 261 yards and a touchdown uh, but he was not able to get it done um, so the Minnesota Vikings move to 1-0 and look every bit like a team that is going to give a lot of teams trouble in Jimmy G uh, Greg is just the first quarterback that I think will struggle against this defense this year. Yeah, Sheldon Richardson really stuck out, I thought, in this game, partly because he's the new guy on that front four. Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter had awesome games too, but just seeing another true pass rusher in the middle. They have Linval Joseph, who's a great run stopper. To see Richardson, who's probably having you know one-on-one matchups the whole day, which maybe he doesn't normally see, really dominate if you're a Vikings fan, has to get you excited because this team just kind of went out and did exactly what you expected. They looked like last season never ended, except now they have a quarterback who can make a few more plays. One of the most fun parts of our day was hearing Rob Ryan and Solomon Wilcox sort of unplugged in real time their reaction to what was going on. And Rob chose the Vikings as his big winner for the day, that they had a great all-around game against a tough opponent. Guys like Brenton Buckner and this this rookie, the 49ers, have Fred Warner. Both have big games. This is a better defense maybe than we thought it was going to be. Little Brenton Buckner uh, shout out the old uh, Carolina Panthers. Mark, what do we think about Jimmy Garoppolo? Oh, DeForest Buckner. <laughs> Jimmy G, I mean, I, I think you said it, that th- this is not the last quarterback, top 10 quarterback, that's going to get beaten around a little bit by this defense. Such a consistent carryover from last year. I thought Harrison Smith gave Jimmy G a lot of problems today. But I'm not concerned about Jimmy Garoppolo at all. He did, he still made a couple incredible throws in this game. And I think the thing is that the, the talent base for the Niners offense is not is, – is, we can't just call them a great team. They're not going to be what they did over the last five weeks of last season. It's going to take – this is a team that still has some growing to do. I mean, this is a, as tough an assignment as any team had offensively. But you're asking Kyle Shanahan to cook up wins every week with – Dante Pettis and Kyle Juszczyk, Marquis Goodwin went out in this game. Hopefully that injury is not serious, but that's their number one receiver. You know, Trent Taylor. It's just you're you're hoping Matt Breida's your running back. To me, it's just you're counting on coaching to create open plays. And that happened in this game a decent amount, but it's asking a lot of Shanahan. A lot of narratives get blown up immediately in week one. 
there are a couple cases I could think of today where that was not the case. And the 49ers are one of them. A lot of uh, people in the football cognoscenti were ready to say that the 49ers were going to contend in the NFC West, that they could be the next big superpower. But maybe they're not all the way there yet. And this is a, maybe a wake-up call against a true superpower mm. that this team needs to grow uh, both internally and get help as the years go along. I will say if you offer another pregnant pause like that, a couple of pregnant us might pause just – of the year. We might just drop off into deep sleep. Pregnant so pause of the careful. year. I, I really think the 49ers have nothing to hang their heads about in this game. I thought they played tough against a Super Bowl contender. And if that George Kittle drop, if that had been a catch – this might we might be talking about a team that upset Minnesota. They might that changed things in this game. And they might have found something in Fred Warner there. The na- yeah. when they get when they get Reuben Foster back from suspension, that that could be a. I quite feel like a we were a little running low on Freds, so to get another yeah, Fred in the yeah. Mix is good. you need no, another Fred nice. in the mix. And you brought up the Kittle play. I also add that they left four p- points on the field when Garoppolo missed an open Kittle in the back of the end zone. So I don't think Garoppolo should be let totally off the hook. It was a very tough assignment to be on the road. Uh, but it, I think maybe a little bit humbling. And we talked about it, Greg, in August. Like, this was the perfect time for any quarterback really ever. Mm. He was so sparkling, his resume, his paycheck, his dating habits. I mean, Well, maybe not sparkling. Sparkling? But interesting. Okay. Uh, and now there's a little blemish. And what I, what my thought is, look out, uh, Detroit Lions, because I think Shanahan and Jimmy G are going to do some damage in week two. And, by the way, that was Paul Allen, KFAN, with the call. Let's move on. It is first down. One running back, Peyton Barber, at the 42-yard line, moving right, trailing 7-0. Play action fake, dropping is Fitzpatrick, throws a deep ball. Downfield, got a wide open receiver. In daylight, the 20-yard line. Deshaun Jackson, 10-5, 3-2-1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers with a long ball, and the beard beats the secondary. <laughs> nice call. <laughs> yeah, He's you know awesome. why? Because it's from Gene Decker Hobb. He's back, W-T-A-E, with the call. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, that Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 417 yards, four touchdowns. He added a rushing touchdown for good measure. And again, teammate Mike Evans would call one of the most complete efforts we have seen at the position. What? <laughs> the Saints were transfixed by Fitzmagic, and the Bucks rumbled to a 48-40 win at the Superdome. Mark, this was the biggest surprise of week one. I think one, it's story no? of the day because it's also I love week one when it goes in, and a lot of times week two operates as an equalizer that adjusts some of the big storylines from week one. But everything we talked about all offseason, Saints is one of the most complete teams in the NFC with this defense that can finally operate with a strong offense, and the Bucks potentially this 2-14 and 14 ghost ship that's going to get the coach fired <laughs> by, by Halloween. Instead, they go out and score 48 points in one of the more pristine offensive performances we've seen in years. Fitzpatrick left for dead uh, that great season with the Jets in 2015, bad in 2016, forgettable, didn't play much in 2017, and now has a game that if you're a fantasy head, he probably wasn't in your starting lineup unless you were clairvoyant. But it will be tough for any quarterback to have a game like that. It was stunning. Here's what Dirk Cutter had to say after the game. I'm happy to announce... Fitzmagic is alive and well. Quite a start, huh? Wes, listen, listen to Dirk Cutter, who had to be extremely, maybe one of the happiest days of his coaching career. That effort and getting to stick it to Sean Payton, even with a handshake and a good game after Payton tried to tough guy him last year. I think Dirk Cutter's walking on air right now. And, you know, one, one of the guys downstairs, I think Rob Ryan pointed out, 
this is a different offense with Todd Monken calling the plays instead of Dirk Cutter. Mm. Get a little Monken love in here for, for that performance. Give me some of that Monk. <laughs> and maybe the Bucks have the Gross. best wide receiver quartet in the entire NFL with Evans, Deshaun Jackson, who went wild in this game, Chris God or Godwin, and uh, don't forget Humphrey. I mean, this is – this is a good quartet. And now you have O.J. Howard, who is a factor. Like, today was a t to be a perfect example of what he can be. Like, two catches, 54 yards. A guy who can make big plays. He's not going to get that many targets, but you can go up the seam. And it's a wake-up call for this young Saints secondary who they thought was one of the best ones in the league. And I'm worried about this front seven. Can they get enough pressure? They certainly didn't today. And it's a season changer for the Bucks because – we talked about how tough their schedule was to start the season. They now stole one with Fitzpatrick. They have to feel like they got a chance to beat the Eagles coming up this week. But even if for some reason they go one and two with Fitzpatrick, I think it just shows the talent that's around them. You do not want 16 games of Fitzpatrick. I don't want to hear that you you don't go back to Jameis Winston unless he's doing well, this. Let him have his day, though. Right. Yeah. No, I know. But I'm just saying you don't want that for the whole season. To me, it shows that there's a team around the quarterback that's going to give them a chance to win a lot. I would of games. be concerned though. You're you're the you're the Bucks. You were the worst passing defense in the league last year. You gave up four nearly 450 yards and three touchdowns to Drew Brees, which happens to teams against Drew Brees. But you gave up 40 points. I mean, you're gonna you can't be asked Fitzpatrick to go do this week after week. For all of his for every good games he gives you, he's going to give you one where some wild stuff happens that kind of blows the whole game script up. You hit on it a little bit, Greg, but and perhaps it's my brain from lack of sleep and the fact that it's like encased. Uh, by a thin film of Tito's vodka and like room <laughs> service sludge, but like some of that room service mac and cheese. I what love that. what happened with the Saints defense? How could it be this bad after being so dominant for large stretches of last year? That's a good question. It's to me, it's what it's, changed. I have no idea what changed. It's so disconcerting because this is a Super Bowl or bust team that basically pushed all their money to the middle of the table and said, we're all in this year. Mm. And what do they have hiding in their hand, like a susceptible defense? They have not been an organization that has handled success that well. No. Like, they have not been a team that stacks great season after great season. They almost get a little full of themselves. And they were not that dominant a defense. I think they've got a little more credit for how important they were. They were a much better defense. They were, like, a good defense, uh, but they they – can't they don't have enough talent really in the secondary to have no pass I, I'd maybe do chalk some of this up to week one feeling more than ever like a fifth preseason game for these teams mm. I mean just that are we going to see this from the Saints week after week I think there's gonna be some correction I'll never forget that opener with a with Drew Bledsoe traded to the Bills they bombed the Patriots in week one you thought oh look at this new change it's such a cop-out though like some teams get to say oh it was a preseason game Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's like, that right. wasn't my preseason well, game. No, I'm just rolling. saying I trust the Saints to, to course correct some of if this. The Saints, I mean, the Saints just have to look back to last year. They got blasted by the Vikings in week one and blasted by the Patriots in it's week true. two, which were two good teams, but the defense got much better after that. Ryan Fitzpatrick, man, that is one of the more stunning week one moments in my time in NFL media. I, no doubt. For him to deliver that performance. Uh, on the road against a very good team. Wow. I'm Nick Shook, occasional guest to the Around the NFL podcast. And ever made pastrami at home? How about smoked salmon, slab bacon, duck confit? It's easy to make all that and more right at home with Jewel sous vide. Jewel makes it easy to try cooking new recipes and cuts of meat at home because there's zero guesswork and food is never under or overcooked. Jewel heats food to the exact right temperature and holds it there. Beef, Poultry, pork, seafood, veggies, desserts, practically everything comes out exactly the way you like it. 
Juul also makes a great companion to your grill or smoker. It separates the cooking step from the finishing step, so meats come out perfectly tender and juicy on the inside and get that charred, crispy bark on the outside. And it's easy to prepare these new recipes for a crowd. If it fits in a large cooler, then you can cook it with Juul. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash Juul and use code AROUND to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash Juul, J-O-U-L-E, code AROUND. Juul, the perfect food every time. Let's move forward. Luck back to throw. His pass caught by Doyle. He loses the ball. Yeah. It's scooped up nice. by Fedulum. He's running it back to the 40. On, Luck chasing him. Oh, Can't baby. tackle him. <laughs> Fedulum to the <laughs> 20. The 10. The 5. Oh, Touchdown. Oh, Bengals. How about and that? Jack Doyle coughed up the football. Clayton Fedulum scoops it up and runs it back more than 80 yards for a Bengals clinching touchdown. Ooh, we might have our first nominee for calls of the year. It's from WCKY, Dan Horde and Dan Lapham on the call. Dave Lapham. Dave Lapham, Bengals backup safety, Clayton Fedulum jarred the ball loose. Jack Doyle couldn't hold on, 35 seconds to go. Fedulum scooped it up, and as you heard, took it all the way to the house, and there went Andrew Luck's thoughts that he could have a heroic comeback uh, in his first game back, an 83-yard touchdown, pers- uh, and the Bengals persevere and win 34-23. to A fun game, a wild ending, and almost a perfect start for Andrew Luck. What did you see from number 12 in this game, Wes? I think realistic Colts fans have to be okay with how today's game went, and maybe even a little buoyant after this game because mm. I-, I saw Andrew Luck, who looked exactly like the Andrew Luck we've always seen. He did not – Looked like a guy who's had any kind of arm injury in the past. He played like the sort of 2015 version of Andrew Luck, who was a little bit underrated and I think led the NFL in touchdowns. But he moved the ball. They had a chance to win. And as you mentioned, Jack Doyle couldn't hold on to the ball inside the red zone with the game on the line. It's a big win for the Bengals because we're watching this game, and I think it was 20-10 to 10 at halftime. The Colts are in control. And the Colts look like the better team in the first half. And, and this is a team in the Bengals that a few of us picked to the playoffs. And these are kind of the, the types of wins you need to get to go in the playoffs. You need to find a way to try to get to 500 on the road. And you do that by beating the Colts. The Fedulum play and then Carlos Dunlop, the Bengals' D really stiffened in the second half. They deserve credit for that. Is this how we want an Andrew Luck performance to go every week, 53 pass attempts? No, I don't think so. But I think it's what you're going to get because of that defense. I, I've, mm. He should be up there in the league leaders in, in pass attempts. And unless they fix that offensive line, that could be an issue. That's great to hear, though, Wes. I didn't get a, a good look at this game, but if luck is luck, uh, the Colts are going to be fun to watch. Maybe not victorious on a weekly basis, or maybe a lot of games will kind of come down to the wire and go against them, but that is, that's great news for them. Uh, what did you see on the Bengals' side of the ball? Like I said, their defense, especially Carlos Dunlap, uh, came up big with the game on the line. Joe Mixon ran better than last year. Their offensive line looked a little better. And um, they got John Ross involved, too. He got a touchdown. So those second-year guys, Mixon and Ross, are a big part of their offense. I will say Ross, though, one – there are three catches – sorry, one catch for three yards. That It was these, the touchdown catch alone. Are we, we need to see a little more of him mixed in a little bit more than this. He was only targeted two times, but he's, hmm. he's not the number two receiver. He's the three. Hmm. Tyler Boyd starts opposite Green. I, I think the most depressing week one results are the ones that look exactly – 
like the team was in the past, like the same right. weaknesses. And the fact that the two tackles were struggling and, and hurt. I know Anthony Costanzo is out. The fact that the Colts don't really have a running game, it just it just looks like the Colts. So ho- hopefully they can get out of that. That is a fair criticism. Let us move on. Backs up, in trouble, and fumble. Sacked and fumbled. Big scramble for it. If the Panthers fall on it, it's your football game. I think they did. I think they got they it. It's Carolina yeah. ball. Mick Mixon, Eugene Robinson, and Jim Zoki with the call for WBT. And the Carolina Panthers smother the Dallas Cowboys uh, in a 16-8 win in the season opener for both teams on Sunday. Uh, Newton ran for Cam Newton ran for 58 yards and a touchdown. A dominating performance by Carolina's defense, led by Luke Keekley, who had 13 sacks. He went down with a scary knee injury uh, that looked pretty bad at first, but then he, I believe he returned to the game. Uh, so Keekley leads the way as always. Uh, six sacks in the game. Cowboys just 232 yards. Uh, Dallas was able to turn it on a little bit in the second half. In the first half, it was borderline pathetic. Cowboys had 60 yards total and uh, four first downs as Carolina went into the tunnel with a 10-0 lead. And and one thing that happened near the end of the half that really got on my radar and I was annoyed, the man formerly known as Riverboat Ron. uh, Gave him the formerly known. Yeah, played for three points when they were inside the 10-yard line with, I believe, about 30 seconds to go. Uh, He ran it once and then clocked the ball and took three. But that, to me, as I, I hated the way he played that. I thought it was too conservative. But also it showed, Mark, how at that point there was no fear of the Cowboys' offense. And the, and the mindset was get ahead two scores and let our defense take it home. And that's what they did. I mean, you come out of this game if you're a Cowboys fan looking at this as a worst-case scenario for week one because all the pronouncements from Dallas that we are going to find a receiver with this young group. We've, we got rid of Des Bryant. We've lost, you know, we've lost players. We're going to find a way to pass the ball. There were zero explosive plays downfield for the most part. Their offensive line absolutely misses Travis Frederick. This is not the line that we've been talking about for the past couple years. Ezekiel Elliott held to 69 yards. This is a bad look for Dallas because you wonder how they're going to climb out of this in the next couple months. Yeah, if your concern was about Travis Frederick and the offensive line, this game did not help matters. They have a formula that is similar to the Jaguars. They're built to play with a lead. You have to pass the ball to come from behind in the NFL, and you have to wonder if this team can do it. At one point, Solomon Wilcox used the word "ept," which I didn't even know was a word. Don't think it is. Well, it's not, but because we knew knew what he meant. He said the Cowboys don't appear to be ept at anything, and that's what it looked like on offense. Correct statement. Yeah, the opposite of inept or the synonym. I don't even know. It is the opposite of inept. I know that Connor Williams is their second-round guard that they <laughs> took, and if you're going to take a guard that high and put him in your starting lineup right away, it's got it kind of has to work, and it clearly didn't in training camp. He didn't look great in the preseason, and he was dominated by K1 Short today. And on the other side, if you're Ron Rivera, this is your like this is the ultimate perfect game for the Panthers. This is how he wants to play. You're dominating in front. You're running the ball. You're controlling the pace. But they keep losing key players every time they step on the field. I mean, they lose Daryl Williams today their right tackle who probably returned from an injury too early you lose Greg Olson to another foot injury those are two key starters almost of any team they've lost key guys whether Is it's the Keekly preseason okay? Keekly returned, Keekly returned to the game, to the game so I mean it, it looks like that okay. injury we were watching that looked serious at first you can never really buckles. tell but yeah. he was back in there like the next next but, series but or Olsen so. you have to look at considering his foot issues and you have to think 
You, I don't know when he's going to be back. Is he going to be back? Is it his last game? It's the guy that was pondering retirement yep. going into this year. If he bangs up that same foot, I mean, at what point is it over? That's a big loss, but it's not like if they would have lost Keekley is a season-ending loss, I think, for the team. You're not going to win oh, the playoffs without Keekley, but you can survive without Olsen, I think. I think one of uh, Damashek's staples is the Jenga piece. I mean, Cam Newton is probably the Jenga piece, uh, but Keekley is right there, 1A and 1B. Cam, Cam's leading them in rushing, though, with 13 rushing attempts. I don't know if you want to do this week after week. I know that's always the thing do. with Cam Newton. Forget this, like, what, what's developed Cam as a pocket passer. He has to be this because this is the most effective Cam Newton. And they look dangerous. Though. Yeah, they look, they, they, they their look defense dangerous. looks absolutely legit. And the new owner, Tepper, was up in the box, and he seemed to be, like, flying at the end of the game, as you imagine he might. A little interesting little nug about the uh, their stadium with the old owner, Jerry Richardson, now gone. They take out the NFL Shield logo at the 50 and put in the Panthers logo. It had always been the NFL Shield. Interesting. Good it was move. one of those like old school owner things. It's mm -hmm. about the How league, did that nugget that. get on your? Because I track everything because I've been drinking a lot of Red Bull. Pan bro. Okay. Panthers, Panthers fans have been annoyed about that for years, so they're very excited. I am super, super if I'm a Cowboys fan, worried right now. I'm, I'm, I'm so worried I might be, oh, is Des Bryant still have the same cell phone number? Which they should not call Des Bryant. But like Greg said, when the game's on the line and he's going on, Dak Prescott is targeting Deontay Thompson. With the game on the line, hell no. That's not going to work, and it's not good enough. Let's move on. Blacko takes the snap. He wants to throw. Looking left. Lobs it to the end zone. Looking for Crabtree. Crabtree makes the catch. Does he get his feet in bounds? The officials confer. Touchdown, Ravens. Michael Crabtree on an amazing throw from Joe Flacco. WBAL's Jerry Sandusky with the call. Ooh, jaunty. Joe Flacco not dead. Wacko Flacco went 25 for 34, 236 yards, uh, re was eventually replaced by Lamar Jackson, but not for any of the reasons Steve Smith or anybody else predicted uh, back in May. It's because the Ravens were up 40 to nil. They dominated the Buffalo Bills and Nathan Peterman, who looked utterly overwhelmed. Uh, they had 33 yards and no first downs at halftime. Final score, 47-3. Western New York will remember this is the bloodbath in Buffalo. Wes, are the Bills as bad as the final score here indicated? No, they will. I know it because I've been drinking Red Bill. Oh, brah. Right. Here we go. There was a reason why this game was banned from the lockup series this week. Because yeah. it was Mark, a you understand, right? Oh, well, I'm yeah, I'm so perfectly content oh, that I took the Browns instead. How did your lock? Yeah, how did it go? So, I mean, it's it's a tie, I think. That's half a lock. I get half a lock. No. <laughs> Sorry, that's bro. Not how it that's not how it works. Erica? Well, up for contention still. I, d I'm not s I don't agree with that ruling. Well, there is a precedent. Wes, once upon a time, locked up a, a tie game. And because a lock is predicting a win, but you'll fight this. Just I like don't you, care you at all that, about the that, precedent. That Philly special malarkey. I mean, precedent has nothing to do with this. <laughs> it never seems to. Remember that complete undressing that the Rams gave the Seahawks last December where the game was like 40-something to nothing at halftime? This, yes. was, this was the same DNA as that game. The Ravens absolutely controlled every part of this game. Both quarterbacks are out. Both starting quarterbacks are removed from the game with like five minutes left to go or five minutes gone in the third quarter this was I mean in every way possible the Ravens just 
took it to the, to the Bills. Yes, the Bills have a big quarterback issue. What a come down for Bills fans. It's funny to think of the celebrations with the playoffs. I mean, you know, they essentially made like Andy Dalton the mayor just because it helped them push them into as one of the worst playoff teams of the last that year. That started to get a little weird after a while. Right. It, it, it stayed <laughs> yes. weird. It's like that was like, a nice on. moment, but what does it really matter? Because here we are week one the next season. You have Nathan Peterman starting another game, and you're on the other side of a 47-3 to score, and you look at the roster, and it looks like they're one of the worst teams well, in the league. Moment is the perfect word because what did that mean ultimately? They – went out quietly in the wild card round the next week, and now they are at their lowest point again. And Josh Allen playing in this game, he really probably shouldn't be playing in this game, but that's when you have to wonder the decision-making of this front office. I mean, uh, you give up a draft pick for Corey Coleman, and you end up burning burning a lot of money by cutting him. You trade A.J. McCarron, and I know A.J. McCarron's not a good quarterback, but when you leave Nathan Peterman, a guy who's only other notable uh, playing experience is throwing five interceptions in one half as the only other guy protecting you from forcing you to play the very raw rookie. That tells me it's a lack of foresight. So I'd be very nervous about the people uh, pulling well, the levers. And you shipped away Tyrod Taylor, and you didn't do enough to fix an offensive line. That is, an, This is another one of these front fives that gave up six-plus sacks today, and now you're trying to tell me that you're going to put Josh Allen in there starting next week with an inept offense. Well, we'll see if they do. You never well, know. Well, if they don't, you also have to ask what on earth they're doing with Nathan Peterman. Well, in how the, do you how, sell how, that in the locker room? Right. I mean, you, he has played himself out of a job. They're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Right. Nathan Peterman had fewer yards than Joe Flacco had completions today, and it wasn't all Peterman's fault. They have built an offense that is going to expose Peterman as not good enough and probably get Josh, Josh Allen – hurt or sacked quite a bit if he plays in fairness they're they're playing a really good defense in Baltimore and I I don't think you can just chalk this up to that the Bills are bad the 2017 Ravens weren't winning any games 47 to 3 so this is a different Ravens team and I think it's a significant week one result because we've said it on this podcast a lot but you, you know what good teams are by the teams that get blowouts Ravens well, and the Ravens, the Ravens are off to a great start. They are different because each one of the wide receivers that they acquired, Willie Sneed, Michael Crabtree, and John Brown, each of them found the end zone in this game. That's a very, it, this is as promising a start for any for any team in the league. Well, uh, since I count the preseason, they are now 6-0 this season. <laughs> Look at that. In the first week of September or the second week of September. So that's pretty good. We're in the Ravens nest right now, baby. <laughs> Let's move on. Third down and 12 now for the Patriots after the fumble by Houston. Here in the early minutes of the first. Brady takes the snap. He throws it left for Glock. He makes the catch over two defenders and steps across the pylon for a touchdown. Patriots. Bob Sochi, WBZ with the call. No Z Zolak in week one. I think Zolak My got replaced by he that Colts guy. He wasn't in the guy. booth or he just wasn't no, in the No, we didn't hear him there. He wasn't the guy in Indianapolis going absolutely nuts for the Colts? Well, that guy's not around no more. Well, I'm talking about the homer that was shouting as the guy was going down the field. Oh, the that end. guy. I thought you talking about the other guy. I don't know. I have no idea who I am right now. <laughs> Tom Brady here on the throne of sleeves threw for 277 yards and three touchdowns, hitting Gronk for 123 yards and a touchdown. The defending AFC champions 27-20 win over the Houston Texans. Uh, Gronk was a beast. Brady looked like Brady. And the Texans and their young hotshot quarterback, Deshaun Watson, look very rusty. Greg, 
Uh, you've been saying we should expect a different Pats team this year. Is that what you saw on Sunday? Other than Brady and Gronkowski, which you know were the two best players on the Patriots, yes, it, it was different. You have Philip Dorsett as the leading wide receiver catching seven targets. You have Trent Brown, a 6'8 left tackle, doing a solid job against Jadevian Clowney uh, and J.J. Watt. You have Lawrence Guy and Jawan Bentley and Malcolm Brown and a, a group up front, including Trey Flowers, who's been there a while, that really dominated this game. And if I'm a Texans fan, I'd be worried – about how much pass rush heat you gave up to the Patriots because this is not going to be the best pass rush team you uh -oh. play all year. And Deshaun Watson, who I thought really showed something in the second half by getting them back into this game, is not going to be able to survive week after week with that much pressure. Let's hear from Deshaun Watson, who is very critical of his performance. For me personally, uh, I think it was terrible uh, on my part. Uh, so you can just – I just feel like you can put the L on me. Because uh, I'd be way much better than, than what I showed today. Uh, just my energy was low and just uh, overthinking little things. No, nah, I mean, that's just, that's just me. I'm the I'm the leader of the team, leader of this offense. So uh, as I go, the offense go. And it was just, you know, just kind of not enough energy, not enough pace on our on our part. And, uh, you know, I just take the blame. I take all the all the heat for that and, and just kind of continue to move forward and, you know, just get ready for next week, put this behind us and learn from it. You know, Watson last season had more time than any other quarterback on deep passes. And he created that with his feet. But you can't ask him to just do that and make magic when you have this line playing the way it is. And this did not look anything like last year's Texans number one passing offense that was literally sh like shredding teams, taking teams apart, and looking like the one team that could potentially challenge the Patriots in the AFC. It's, it, it, I would be concerned because this is another incomplete line. Fourteen and two, Patriots. Come on, what's what's That's changed the other this year? Side I mean, of this. they still roll this division, and they will. One thing that's on my radar for the Patriots: Chris Hogan is some fantasy stud. Come on, one catch for eleven yards. <laughs> You've been mad about this. <laughs> You're loving this. You're it, spiking the football right it now. It could come back to haunt me. Maybe he'll go for 175 and two touchdowns like he did against the Steelers in the playoffs. But the idea that Chris Hogan is a fantasy well, stud what about always Super seemed Bowl weird 52? to me. Wasn't he a monster in that game, too? I wouldn't write him off yet. He'll have three or four monster games throughout the year. That's what he does, but he's not like some fantasy stud. It, it's a deeper Patriots team defensively, and I think that means they're not going to have to score as many points. And they're just not capable of it. This also just looked like a week one game. If you remember Deshaun Watson last year, took a few games to get going. The Patriots, for much of the game offensively, couldn't really find open receivers. It it just a lot of these games you're watching today and you're thinking both of these teams are going to be better two or three weeks from now. Is there any other Patriots team, Greg, in your long history of watching this uh, New England franchise succeed <laughs> week after week Ceaseless, that man. it reminds you of? More of the early 2000s where it's going to be balanced, where you're going to not necessarily rely on the wide receivers, and I think where the front seven makes a difference. It's so crazy that maybe the difference is that Tom Brady's better now than he was early in his <laughs> career, like at age 27. Uh, and I did miss, I have to say, I did miss. Uh, what I you, Sometimes I forget, and then a new season comes. Greg's uh, Friday or Thursday <laughs> hand-wringing about how tough oh, yes. his matchup will be against this whatever Ham and Egger <laughs> team on Sunday. And then, of course, a victory, the vanquished, Foe and Bill O'Brien falls to 0 and 5 against his old boss. This is pretty routine, I have to admit. It was not as close as the score. <laughs> 
I'm around the NFL writer Nick Shook, and, well, to be honest, my closet needed a little refreshing lately, and I turned to Indochino. Indochino is the world's most exciting menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. All of them are available in a wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors with the option to personalize details like your lapel, lining, pockets, buttons, and writing your own monogram, which is extremely fancy. If anybody knows me, they know I like to hit the weights, and I recently lifted myself out of my last suit. So when I needed to make a new suit purchase, I turned to Indochino. Let me tell you what, it has been everything I'd expect and more. And now Indochino is expanding into casual clothing with made-to-measure chinos. These will quickly become your go-to pant, pairing easily with anything from a suit jacket to a sweater. They're perfect for any time of the year and any occasion, from boardroom, boardroom meetings to Sunday brunches. Available for an introductory price of just $79. And better yet, this week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for only $359 at Indochino.com. Just enter the code AROUND at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. Just go to Indochino.com and use the promo code AROUND to get any premium suit for just $359 and free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Let's move on. Dropping a throws, man. The ball's tipped up into the air. It is picked off. It is picked off by Miles Jack to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. Touchdown. Miles Jack on a pick six, and Jacksonville has extended the lead here at MetLife Stadium. Frank Frangine, Jeff Langman, WOKV with the call. Yes, linebacker Miles Jack scored on a 32-yard pick six. Off a deflection earlier in the fourth quarter, and that was pretty much it. Pretty much it. Jaguars beat the New York Giants. Rune Pat Shermer's debut uh, in the Meadowlands, uh, a 2015 win for Jacksonville, and uh, this was a game that saw the debut of Saquon Barkley, uh, who did not disappoint. Actually, bottled up for most of the game, but did break a 68-yard touchdown run that got the Giants back in the game. And that might be a lot of what the season is about. Eli Manning was not able to make plays against a stellar Jaguars defense. And the offense in Jacksonville did just enough. This is the recipe, Chris Wessling, the Jags, similar to last year. Let the defense carry the day and hope the offense does just enough. Yeah, I, I really like Miles Jack, and I picked him at one point in one of our segments to be a star this year with that pick six. I think he's, he's well. I think he's going to be a big, like maybe a Pro Bowl type of player. Just another one. This defense is chock full of them. And that was a risky draft pick at the time with uh, Jack's injury history. Uh, one thing with Barkley, so he has this marvelous 68-yard touchdown run, and we saw him do that against Cleveland in the preseason too. We know he can break them, and we know he can get that done. But the rest of his day was 40 yards off 17 attempts. It's. Well, I mean, this is just. I look at it the same way as what Jimmy G and the 49ers had to yeah. deal with. Jacksonville is just yeah. a badass defense. And, yeah, I w- I'm, I'm pounding the table that Eli is going to be okay to good this year. And this was not a promising start. But, again, I mean, if we're going to not kill Jimmy G, we shouldn't kill Eli because the Jaguars are loaded, are making plays, and they're going to do it all year. That's all fair. I totally agree. But one concern I think that Giants fans should have with Eli is that he's developed this habit in the last couple of years of he's a little scared and he lets lets go of the ball a little quickly 
because he doesn't trust his offensive line. And I think we saw that today. Saw that a few times. Yep. The pressure got to him, and it's kind of like a fling, and the helmet kind of goes yep. to the left. And hopefully it's an incomplete pass. That's almost the best-case scenario. That's almost like a rookie habit that a 14th-year quarterback or whatever he is at this point should have. But that's life with Eli. Odell it's also Be the Jaguars' defense. Yeah, Odell Beckham also – came back, went over 100 yards, was Odell Beckham, but they just couldn't get anything going. It was a very quiet day. If you're a Giant fan, not a lot to get excited about in this game. The Jags just looked like the better team. I will the, say this reminds me a lot of, of many Pat Shermer games when he was the Browns head coach, but we'll, we'll see what happens. The only, the only downside here for the Jags is Leonard Fournette went out with a hamstring injury early, and it's early in his career, but these hamstring injuries – keep happening to him, and the more that they keep happening to him, the Jaguars just aren't going to be able to run the type of offense they want to run. At a certain point, you got to start to worry that Fournette yes. is just one of those guys. One of my favorite elements of doing the live hits downstairs with a large production team that we had really never worked with before was them probably listening to Dan on the mic do his <laughs> throughout the day <laughs> and then anointing other teams like the Redskins doing well, the R-Men and all the this. R <laughs> I mean, they probably just thought we were psychotics. <laughs> yeah, and keep an eye on the Jags. The defense was key. Absolutely. Keep an eye on that offense. They got to do more, though. They gained 310 yards in total offense. They didn't even score uh, until the second half, and they also committed 11 penalties for 119 yards. So not a perfect effort by the Jaguars, but one side of the team is so damn good that it can carry the day. How about Tom Coughlin's revenge? Stick it, Giants. Revenge for what? <laughs> I don't know. For firing him. him. For firing him. I'm right. You're I mean, the one that wants revenge on Tom <laughs> Coughlin. I don't know. Uh, let's move on. Back deep is Tyreek Hill for Kansas City. Back pedals, takes it at his own 10 and wants a left return. Gets two blocks, gets up to the 15. Attacks at left 20. He's at the 30. The Cheetah's loose. 40 at midfield. There goes the Cheetah. 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. That didn't take long for the Cheetah to unleash. I love Mitch Holtis of KCFX. With the call, Tyreek Hill. My goodness, the human joystick scored three touchdowns, and uh, Patrick Mahomes was a monster in his debut as the Chiefs starter. Four scores of his own. The Chiefs, a 38-28 win over Greg Rosenthal's Los Angeles Chargers. Hill, 91-yard punt return for a TD, a 50-yard uh, touchdown catch, added a little one-yard one score just for a cherry on top. And uh, Mr. Rosenthal, the Chiefs were impressive in a season-opening win over the Pats last September. This was every bit as impressive, but with a new man at QB1. It just goes to show you don't want to face Andy Reid coming off a bye or in week one. Doesn't matter who his offensive coordinator is. Now it's Eric Bieniemy. He'll probably be a head coach in a year or two. He's just going to cook up plays that make your head explode, and that's what happened. There were so many open receivers in this game, but there were also so many box office plays by Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I don't know if there's – been a player ever like Tyreek Hill. He's a really just unique talent, and if I was running Sky Sports, I'd be putting the Chiefs on week after week because I just think they're going to be fun to watch. When you ask why would the Redskins trade an MVP or why would the why would the Chiefs trade an MVP candidate like Alex Smith, the answer isn't just because of Patrick Mahomes. It's because the real MVP candidate is Tyreek Hill. Whee! This guy, I think, is one of the top 10 or 12 players in the entire NFL, and he'll be in the MVP discussion all year long. When Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey combine for 27 yards and you score 38 points, it's like, 
what are, what are we doing here? No, I mean, the Chiefs need the Super Bowl to be held in week one because their their issue is January, and they'd be fine. <laughs> they would just roll away with multiple titles. But this offense runs through Hill, and I think we'll see much more of Kelsey in other games. But after an offseason of kind of wondering what you're going to get from Patrick Mahomes because along with the big plays, the explosive passing plays, you also thought, because it's been his sort of nature, that you get mistakes as well. Not today. He was perfect. Greg, come on with the Chargers in this game. The special teams again and just not getting the job done on defense. I'll, I'll handle this. Yeah. Thank you, Wes. I'm going into the corner and just going <laughs> to yeah, in a position. I'm going to leave Mark and Dan out of this. Yes, please do. Greg and I owe the Kansas City Chiefs an apology. We really do. And this podcast has been down on them for a few years. But they own the Chargers. This is nine straight wins, and I will never pick the Chargers over the Chiefs again until they win a game in <laughs> this series. That's fair, dog. It made no sense that the Chargers uh, were somewhat heavy favorites in this game. It was such a Charger game, though. I mean, they had a punt returner that fumbled two punts. They gave up a punt return touchdown. They managed to have 541 yards. I mean, they outgained the Chargers by uh, outgained the Chiefs by 180 yards, and they still lost. They had Philip Rivers, who for the most part played great, 424 yards, three touchdowns. It could have been about 500 yards if a couple of his receivers didn't drop long passes that were beautiful. But the key moment in this game in the second half to me was a third and four where Phillip Rivers needed to eat the ball and they could kick a field goal and they were still in the game, but he did the thing where he forced it into double coverage. It gets picked off, and that was basically the moment the well, game Well, and they had ended. a killer miss field goal when they had right. a chance to climb back into this, making it essentially every Chargers game ever. Bolt's going to bolt. And uh, just a little bit of housekeeping before we move to our next game. I did get behind the G-Men with disastrous results. <laughs> So that's 0-2 on locks for the heroes thus far Sunday. Let's move on. High formation, a yard away. Hand off Peterson. It's a Redskins touchdown. Peterson's 100th career touchdown, and the Redskins score. Larry Michael Cooley? Is Is that a guy, or is it Chris Cooley? I think that was like the son in Home Improvement. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like a human name. Not sure who the human is. Sonny Jurgensen, also WTM with the call. Uh, Alex Smith carved up the Cardinals, uh, 255 and two touchdowns. Adrian Peterson looked like Adrian Peterson, 96 yards and a touchdown. Redskins beat up on the Cardinals, 24-6 win on Sunday in a game that really wasn't even that close. Mark, Washington utterly dominant on the road in week one. Pretty damn impressive. This is the Redskins team that we fell in love with for various weeks in the past where you saw them get in and dominate, and we can put to bed, finally, last year's Sam Bradford week one performance that everyone crowed <laughs> about for 4,000 months. He had 11 yards passing and a negative one yard rushing at halftime today. They couldn't get on track at all. But I am, Wes, you've been talking about Adrian Peterson all off season. You're you're essentially his agent at this point. Please talk. Thank you, Dan, because I I was going to introduce this by saying permission to take a victory. Take the lap. (laughs) You've earned it. 166 yards and a touchdown. And this was our big takeaway on the Sky Sports Show, or my big takeaway, that if you're a general manager, you have to ask yourself if you succumbed 
to the quicksand of NFL groupthink, and it happens every offseason. This guy's on the open market for six months, can't even get a whisper of interest, and his game film last year showed an overwhelmed offensive line, no respect for the passing game, and Adrian Peterson running with the same fury, similar explosion, similar speed to previous years. The guy can still play, and when you see him in a Redskins jersey, it conjures up visions of John Riggins, a guy who made the Hall of Fame because he was the best old running back in NFL history. Mm. And he's perfectly paired with Chris Thompson. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I never thought that Peterson would be bad. My thing is, will he stay healthy? And if he stays healthy, what Wes is right about is he still has the goods. And the Cardinals, that, did, that was not inspiring, that effort. At home, it makes you very nervous that this team, first of all, we're going to see – Josh Rosen sooner than we expected, and this team is not going to hang around in the playoff picture if they keep playing like this. Well, Peterson already earned the salary. He could get hurt next yep. week, and he, he was worth it. The fact that Chris Thompson and him combined for almost 300 yards. Chris Thompson's coming back from a serious injury. We didn't see him at all in preseason, so we didn't know what we were going to get out of him. Jay Gruden has to be loving life. Chris Thompson had 133 total yards in addition to Peterson's huge So they game. had 300 between almost, the two. almost 300. I think a little shy, but like my, my, my brain is going to explode right now. Jay Gruden at one point in his Redskins offense had 26 first downs and the Cardinals had three. I mean, that is Oof. a smackdown and you didn't even really need to use Jordan Reed or Jamison Crowder and Paul Richardson because you just had Alex Smith just dropping off these little five-yard passes and I think this Redskins team is dangerous and I think they're going to be in the mix in the NFC. And as much as Kirk Cousins is a fit for the Vikings, Alex Smith, is it's okay, you can go somewhere else. And he's in, in Washington. He's perfect for the Redskins Doesn't right now. Doesn't surprise me at all. He is just a, a guy you can count on. And Larry Michael Cooley, wasn't he one of the kids in Family Matters? Well, you, I you went named with him. Home improvement. Yeah, I, mean, I think he was a jobber in 80s wrestling. <laughs> Let's move on. Keenum, design roll, looks right. Run on the run, throws a ball. It's intercepted, but is he out of bounds? He's out of bounds. Did he catch the ball? We got that. That's DT with the catch. So Demarius Thomas has the football, but is he going to get the touchdown? I think it's going to stay on Dave, and I certainly am. Not going to be on our top ten calls. <laughs> okay, Dave That was Logan like us calling the game. And Rick Lewis with the call there for KOA. Woof. Uh, Von Miller <laughs> was the star. Demarius Thomas had the go-ahead touchdown there, but Von Miller was the star for the Broncos. He sacked Russell William Wilson three times. Forced two fumbles, recovered another, and uh, Case Keenum wins his Broncos debut Sunday. 27-24 win over the Seahawks. Wes, you were confident the Broncos would get off on the right foot against the Seattle team in transition. Wait, how confident were you, Wes? Confident enough that I locked it up. Bang. That's exactly what happened. Your thoughts? Von Miller was the best player on the field. He tipped the field. Vance Joseph handled the end of the game as if he trusted the Broncos' defense just because he knew Von Miller was wrecking shop all day long. I have been so excited by this rookie class that you've jokingly referred to them as the team of West TL. In no way, shape, or form am I bailing on the Bears, but this Broncos mm -hmm. team gets me excited as much as anyone. And for all the hype that goes to Cortland Sutton and Royce Freeman and Bradley Chubb, undrafted Phillip Lindsay, a rookie who really jumped off the screen in preseason action, is a big factor for this team. About 100 yards and a touchdown on over 15 touches. 
This guy's going to be involved all year, I think. I like the formula here. The Broncos last year were not fun to watch. They were depressing. I felt completely different about this game. And it, they're, they're not perfect, but you got what you got from Emmanuel Sanders. We talked all offseason about what's going to happen with the backfield. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman both had 15 rushes for 71 yards, 4.7 per carry. That works. And this defense is doing exactly what they thought. I, I just think they, this is a team in this division where you, in a weird AFC, who knows what can happen. You said, Wes, that Vance Joseph was confident in the defense because Von Miller was there. Maybe it was because Pac-Man Jones was there. I mean, Pac-Man Jones, how about closing out a game That's in his 14th season? He just got called off uh, the waiver wire, and he's still closing out games, Pac-Man Jones. If this was, if, if, <laughs> I love it. If you're Hugh Jackson and you had to do something other than lose today, don't we feel the same way about Vance Joseph? He had a, he had a rough, rough season last oh, year. Oh, he had a terrible first year as a head coach. And John this is a El- big win. John yep. Elway did not want to. Uh, pull the trigger You're too right. soon, but you could easily cut ties with Vance Joseph. That's how bad last year was. So sticking with him and getting the win. And Case Keenum, like, listen, if this is how much Case Keenum is going to be in terms of volume usage, I don't think the Broncos are going to have a very good season. I think the way he was used in Minnesota was the perfect way to use him, which is playing to his strengths. Don't don't let him get too cowboyish. And I think they're going to lose more games than they win if he throws this many passes. But today it worked against the Seattle defense that, frankly, I don't think is very good right now. Earl Thomas or no. Wes, what did you think about kind of this totally reformed Seahawks defense? Did it look like the Seahawks? No, it didn't look like the Seahawks. You got you had the interceptions, which, you know, as Dan said, Case Keenum, he sort of plays like a younger Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a gunslinger. You're going you're going to have those 50-50 balls he's going to throw up. So that will happen. But – this team was – I mean, the Broncos must have had 500 yards of offense. This was not a Seahawks Legion of Boom type of team. Doug Baldwin went out with an injury in this game after battling an MCL sprain throughout Yikes. the preseason. He had one target. This team's just short on possibilities on offense. I mean, there's just – when you – who is Disley? The tight end was their leading receiver, and they're just – counting on Brandon Marshall to make a play down the field, which he did, but it, it, you're just a little short on the Strange players. roster. looked a lot like last year's Seattle offense with Russell Wilson doing most they of the need, work. They need Baldwin. I mean, Baldwin is such a Jenga piece for that team. The Around the NFL podcast is sponsored by ADT. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. Explore the vast number of things you can do with your secure smart home, like game day service, which is an ADT automation, that unlocks the front door for friends who arrive at your place for the game while you're still out getting snacks. Or maybe you're just uh, too entrenched in the couch because the game is gripping. That, that happens sometimes. Or home run service, which lets you check in on your home's cameras even while you're in the nosebleeds. Or even goalkeeping service, which lets you close your garage door while you're at your kid's soccer practice to help keep criminals and critters on the sidelines especially when you forget to close your garage door before you go to that practice. Not to mention you can set up your home to do, automatically do things like lock the doors and set the thermostat when you leave, all controlled from the ADT app or the sound of your voice and backed by 24-7 protection. Visit ADT.com smart to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. We move on. Grant will have a chance to return from two yards deep. Breaks to his right, got a crease, cuts back at the 30, the 35, the 40, the 45, the 50. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. Jakeem Fred will go. 100. All right. 
just like openly oh, celebrating. Wow. <laughs> Nobody's even calling it. It's like it. somebody's living room. WQAM, <laughs> Jimmy Cepelo, or Cephalo. I still haven't gotten that one. Cephalo. Cephalo, Bob Greasy, and Joe Rose with the call. Uh, Jakeem Grant answered a Titans touchdown with a 102-yard kickoff return. Ryan Tannehill connected on two TD passes to Kenny Stills in the quarterback's return to action. And the Dolphins knocked off the Titans 27-20 in a game delayed twice by lightning storms. Took over seven hours to complete, uh, which is the longest NFL game ever in terms of just start to finish. So really, you know, at least the Dolphins fans that were there that stuck around got a W out of it. Greg, a nice start for Miami and a brutal night for Tennessee, and it goes beyond the final score. Yeah, I think the Titans had the worst Sunday of any team. I mean, the Bills fans clearly don't feel too good about themselves, but the Titans had more hope going into it and more devastation today. Marcus Mariota had an elbow injury where he lost feeling in his hand. He came back from the injury and threw a, an interception, which came after that second really long lightning delay. Then you lose Delaney Walker late in the game to what appeared to be a really serious injury. That's seven hours after the game has started, and you just doesn't seem right. And early in the game, you also lost left tackle Taylor Luan. So that's you think of the Titans. Those are three of the players, maybe the first three players that you think of, and they all went out. We don't know how serious Mariota's injury is, but he didn't look great before or after the injury. So it just probably a, a real lost week for the Titans, especially with the Jaguars looking so good. This feels like one of those games that M NFL Films will profile because it was so wacky and so unusual, and it's going to – it seems like it's also going to double as, like, the video that is uh, like a back-breaking, season-stabbing, worst-case scenario kind of game for the Titans. I just think for, for anyone in a football team, players, coaches, front office, when you get stuck with this kind of situation – where we saw what happened at the Super Bowl between the Ravens and Niners when, that, when the lights went out, how it changed that, that tenor of that game yeah. for both teams. Look what happened today. I just think you have to ask if you're the NFL or whatever, how do you handle this kind of thing? I do think the football gods might be smiling because there's a lot of chaos already with Mother Nature <laughs> with my sandwich prop about Ooh. one of these games at some point being moved. They should have just taken this thing and moved it to a high school stadium right. tomorrow night. If you ever were curious what happens after – you know, six and a half hours and a huge delay. Here's what happened. Tons of scoring and tons of points. It was 10 to three entering the fourth quarter. And then, then the game ended 27 to 20. Here's what happened. 102 yard kickoff return, followed by a 75 yard touchdown pass, followed by a 94 yard kickoff return. That's just a bunch of tired players and the Dolphins were the better team today and they deserve to win partly because their running game looks good. Yes. Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore were a really good one-two punch and that was kind of the difference in a blah game. You, it's great to come out with a win. The only fans that stuck around to the end were people that lost their car, key, car keys in this storm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else you're still uh, there. Speaking of tired players, we're tired so we will throw it the Sunday night game between the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers back to the Culver studio where our good buddies and satellite heroes uh, Nick Shook and Jeremy Bergman will handle the call to you, boys. Oh, Sunday night. 2.29 to go. Roger shotgun, three receivers right, one to the left. Snap to A-Rod. Rushes on, has time. Looking, throws, middle, yes. got his bear. Breaking through to the 50. He may go all the way to the 20 down the right side. And Randall Cobb to the end zone, to the touchdown. Oh, my God. 
what an amazing finish to the first Sunday of the football season. This is Jeremy Bergman with Nick Shook. Back in L.A., the Packers down and out. The Ro Aaron Rodgers down and out. Down 20 to nothing at, at halftime. Come back and win 24-23 at Lambeau against the Bears. There's no higher drama in the league than this type of comeback. You know, this music fits perfectly because... What a stunning finish, and it's one that we shouldn't really be that surprised by, seeing that it was Aaron Rodgers, but it was Aaron Rodgers on one leg. That's right. The first touchdown that he threw when he came back from the injury, which we'll get to, he threw on one leg, 39 yards on a dime to the back corner of the end zone. We've seen Rodgers throw Hail Marys. We've seen him, you know, will them back from the depths of defeat, and he did it today, coming back from a collarbone injury that ended his season last year. And, and it, it, I mean, it was really a tale of two halves, too, because if you think about it, the first half, we had the Khalil Mack show. And he was dominating an offense that had been just dumbstruck by the loss of Aaron Rodgers. You know, Chris Collinsworth said it on the broadcast tonight. We were giving a eulogy as he was carted off to the locker room. This is it. What, week one, Green Bay season is over. What's going to happen? The Lambeau crowd was dead silent. You could hear a pin drop. And then they bring in... It's not Brett Hull anymore, remember. It's Deshaun Kaiser who they traded for. Deshaun Kaiser comes in and promptly gets strip-sacked by Khalil Mack in the red zone. And then on the next drive, throws a pick six. Yep. And you're like, this game is over. If you went to bed, I don't blame you. <laughs> I hope you did. Everybody thought Aaron Rodgers was either done for the season or at least done for the game. And then the second half. Our esteemed editor, uh, David Ely made the, I think, the appropriate uh, connection to Willis Reed. Willis Rogers coming mm. out of the locker room in the second half and turning things around, coming back from that 20 to nothing deficit, and doing it in thrilling fashion on a play that, you know, when he threw it over the middle to Randall Cobb, you thought, hey, they, okay, they're going to get a first down. Oh, oh, wait, there's there's nobody there. Oh, Where he, was everybody? He might go. He is going to go all the way. I mean, you heard the, the, the shock in the voice of, of those uh, on the call. And, it, it, yeah, it, I mean, it kept what, you know, like we said before, it, it shouldn't have been that much of a surprise. But, I mean, you sat back. You're, you're all, you know, behind the Bears here. They're going to hold on to it. it they're going to finish this. They were playing so well. And the confidence that I had in the Bears during the whole game wasn't just because of the way Khalil Mack was playing, the way Roquan Smith was playing, Akeem Hicks. The defense was playing great, shutting down Rodgers even before he got hurt. The confidence came from the fact that Matt Nagy's offense with Mitchell Trubisky under center, with all the new pieces around him, they were moving the ball. Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, Allen Robinson was a great connection with Trubisky. They were moving the ball. Trey Burton, you know, it looked like they were going to run away with it even if Rodgers and the offense got back on track. Something happened in the second half, but this offense looked a lot like the Chiefs offense from years past. But there was a problem because it also looked like the Chiefs offense in that playoff game last year that they that lost to the correct. Titans. And, and you know, uh, what Matt Nagy failed to do, or Nagy, we, we went over we, the We haven't just figured out what the actual <laughs> pronunciation is. But uh, what, what he did failed to do last year was ice the game. And again, tonight, for a good portion of the second half, that creativity that the Bears offense showed that was so exciting in the first half. You know, multiple formations. They're doing all kinds of crazy different things. A lot of what the Chiefs did earlier today, by the way. Mm -hmm. And and then it just it, it went vanilla in the second half. They couldn't move the ball, and every stop the Packers got, the momentum built. And before you knew it, they're right back in the game, and then you've got the ball in Rodgers' hand, and he's down, you know, a score, and the magic happens. The Bears were up 17 to nothing at halftime. Rodgers was down for the count after taking a hit from, it looked like Khalil Mack, but uh, somebody else on the Bears' D-line. The, back in the wild card game, the Chiefs were down twenty, were up twenty-one to three at halftime over Mar Marcus Mariota and the Titans. Similar type of situation here, and uh, you know I don't, you don't want to blow this thing out of proportion, but 
this is two straight games that Matt Nagy has coached as an offensive coordinator or a, or a head coach, and these are two blown leads. There's a lot of promise in Chicago, but you start to think maybe when he, you know his teams can't hold a lead. It's a teaching moment for him in his first game as a head coach, and I think he'll learn just from the the many phases of a game in the NFL season. I mean, every game, there's four quarters, it's a long time to play football, and I think he'll learn from this. But the big question now, Aaron Rodgers kind of answered this question on the broadcast, but really... Is he going to play in week two? Because that's going to dominate the headlines this week. He said he's going to play. He told Michelle Tafoya he's going to play. We'll see. I'm sure this is going to, you know, draw out over the week. There's definitely a lot to be excited about in Chicago, though, without a doubt. I have a hot take, Shook. This was the game of the year. Oh! This was the first Sunday Night Football game of the year, and it was already the game of the year. You will not see a game with higher drama. You're chasing this high all all offseason, and you get it right now. I mean, I hope not because it's week one, but there were a lot of layers to this, as you'd mentioned. And uh, you could be right. I hope we get a lot more of this, though, uh, in the primetime slate especially. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a long, great season. Now back to the guys across the pond. All right. Thank you, uh, guys. And we can't wait to get back and see all our friends at Culver City as we get on the airplane tomorrow. Uh, This uh, brings our amazing London uh, trip to a close. Before we go, we have so many people to thank because this was – Really, the trip of a lifetime, and it doesn't happen uh, without a lot of people kind of coming uh, coming and stepping up to the plate for us. Uh, so thank you to Th- Sky Sports today, Alex Mason, Patrick Crowley. Mason's still here waiting for us because he has to take us out of the He's building. He's like, don't, thank, you. don't is, thank me. Just it's 3 in the morning. Talking. Shut up. We don't need your thanks. <laughs> Just stop talking. Patrick Crowley, Neil Reynolds, who he's, he's, he's a mensch. Uh, the NFL UK office, Jamie King, Alistair Kirkwood, Nick Pike, Henry Hodgson back home. Who's NFL been UK Hank. A major supporter of our show and, you know, a good friend personally, but he has been uh, a, a great ambassador uh, for this podcast. We love you, handsome Hank. Mark Brady here has been a major supporter of the show. Eric Tamposi and Todd Metcalf, you guys busted ass this week with us. Uh, and we and all, you were really fun. We all need, yeah, we all need. We're never sleep. going to London without you. It's part of our new contract. We also need Jetlag Jackson to come back. She was awesome. Also, Sarah Parsons, John Marble, uh, thank you back in Culver, and especially thank you to the UK fans. Uh, this was could not have been any better for us, you guys. We expected this to be a fun trip, and it was even better than we could have imagined. I'll be 95 years old if I live that long, and I'll remember this week for the rest of my life. And I'm legitimately moving here very soon if I can have anything to do with it. (laughs) And I will say the seven of us on this journey from our little NFL group – We've had an incredible time, and we've promised with Lakeisha, with eight, to have a reunion. I've said three times a week, all season long, we're gonna be, we're gonna meet. <laughs> you had sort of a Michael Jordan at Barcelona week, where you know he's famous for playing 18 holes of golf every day, going out and beating a bunch of chumps on the basketball court, staying up till five in the morning playing cards and doing it every day over again. That was sort of what you did in London. I, I felt we could, I, for a little bit while at the end of the week, I thought we were going to lose Sessler. Oh, I did too. Yeah, there were a couple. You of have like, lost me. I am moving <laughs> here. Yeah, <laughs> Dark Sessler came out a couple of nights, but he came all the way back around, and he's with us. Also, Ryan Bartlett and Cam Molina back in Culver's have given us a lot of support. I just my one takeaway, like from this whole week, is I wasn't part of last year's season opening podcast. It was a long year for me, and this. This trip sort of feels like validation for what we started five or six years ago and that we trusted our instincts, that in that building people want your show to be interviewing players, interviewing coaches, talking to beat writers, and instead 
our vision was four idiots taking the piss out of each other, as they say here. <laughs> and it's just a really good sensibility match for the British listeners, and I think that's why why we're here. I right. mean, we were literally sneaking around our bosses to try to to tape this podcast. And this was a week where we love our jobs, we love football, and we love all the listeners. Not just the U.K. listeners, but ev- all the listeners are the ones that helped get us here. And Mark, Mark Brady, the shadowy league figure who was along with us, said – he was getting chills when they put our warm-up songs on on Tuesday night, our yeah. introductory songs, and it felt like, you know, five years kind of coming to that moment and just – I have chills just, just thinking about it, and we, we appreciate everyone that helped us get us here. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Stan Hansis signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Old Boss, and The Loose Cannon on the ones and twos. Oh, London, you treated us well. Time to go home till Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late for the important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com at JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.